Welcome to State of the Franchise. My name is Tom Stadler, and I'm a producer for the show. Fred and I are very excited that you've decided to start your journey with us here at episode one of the show. And we're very proud of everything we put into this episode, especially because it is our first episode. That being said, we do acknowledge that the equipment we are using at this time was a little bit different than the equipment we are using from episodes three onward. So we did just want to give a fair warning that some of the sound quality is a little bit lower than our own standards and potentially a little bit lower than your normal standards for a podcast episode. Just know that will get better as you get to episode three and on. Thanks for your understanding and please enjoy it all the same. And now on with the show. Hello, and welcome to State of the Franchise, a podcast that explores the most renowned franchises in the world today, from all their highs down to their lowest of lows, and everything that falls in between. I am Tom Stadler, here with my co-host, Fred Dakin. Fred, how are you doing today? Doing great, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling excited to get this going. I know this is a, a podcast we've been trying to talk about here for a long time and get going. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of, you know, Give some people an idea of like what we're going to get into here. You know, what, what are your, some of your expectations or your hopes out of this? And what are you hoping that maybe the audience will even get out of it? Well, I know when we got together to talk about doing a podcast, it was definitely like going to be film, TV. It was going to be some nerdy shit that for we sure. were going to get down on. And I was very excited for that. I definitely wanted to talk about topics and things that people are very familiar with and excited about. I know... The big thing that we're going to talk about is Batman. We love Batman. Hell yeah. <laughs> we just want to have a podcast where we look at the franchise or a s- specific property, and we want to kind of approach it in a way that it's not typical. Mm-hmm. We don't need to just break down and summarize. We want to see it as a franchise and kind of look at the state of it as it is today versus how it started. Yeah, I think that's a good point to talk about. And I know we're kind of like trying to define what a franchise is because I think we've even had some discussions on what that even all includes. And I'm like, because does that limit it to, you know, oh, it has to have multiple installments or it has to have this or is it like, no, no, you know, it's this property and it has a lot of things that come with it, even though it really is just one long string of things. I think even the topic today is sort of a, a loose example of that, if you will, right? When I agreed to talk about franchises, I looked up like the Merriam-Webster definition of what a franchise is, <laughs> and I just sort of like picked and chose what I wanted to interpret from that definition. I think it was just pretty much like any sort of group of content, and I'm like, yeah, we can take that as far as like you know fast food all the way to seeing like individual like actors or musicians as franchises. I think someone like The Rock treats his career like a franchise. Oh, yeah. And I think it's interesting looking at different things in pop culture through the lens of a franchise. Yes, I totally agree. And I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. And I'm real excited to talk about our first topic here today, which is, of course, the popular anime and manga hit Dragon Ball. And uh, here to talk us, uh, talk with us this week, uh, our subject matter expert, if you will, uh, Joe Francisco, joining the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome, hey. Joe. Hey, thanks, Fred. Yeah. yeah. Go I ahead. know when I uh, think of franchises that I love, the first thing I think of is Dragon Ball. So I appreciate you guys having me on for the 
first episode focused on Dragon Ball. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's funny that, you know, you're coming in here too. I mean, you know, for the audience out there, we're all pretty familiar with each other. We're all veterans of the Milwaukee improv scene. Uh, part of a little group called the Father Figures. Um, Six-time dual champs or Six, five? Tom, five? Tom, we don't want to get into that. I mean, this is the franchise podcast. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to talk about our great successful improv group, you know. Let's just focus on... We just focused on Dragon Ball. Yeah, no, you guys are right. We're not here to talk about how we uh, won five or six dual championships in between, you know, a two-year span. Uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're not right? here yeah. to talk about the $500 cash prize that we got. No. Yeah, we're not here to talk about the tournament we won. No. No. We're guys, we're, we're here to talk about something completely different. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess... Getting back on, on, on track here, because, you know, we, uh, we easily fall off track. Um, I guess, Joe, even just starting with you, man, I know you mentioned that you, you're really hyped about Dragon Ball. You know, what are some of, like, your, your experiences with Dragon Ball today, you know, dating back to, like, your first exposure to it, and even just, like, where do you find yourself coming back to it on a daily basis now? Oh, man. Like, I've had an interesting Dragon Ball journey, so... Okay. I have two older brothers, so I feel like pop culture-wise, I was always kind of being exposed to things mm -hmm. a lot younger than I should have. Um, so Dragon Ball Z was kind of a... We would always watch it on Cartoon Network at first. And we were watching the dub. We were really into it. Mm -hmm. um, but then it ends. Like You're like, well... You're like, well, what the heck? What's going on? It's like in the middle... Of a really important fight like you, you're talking about middle of the dub right yeah, yeah the okay. middle of the dub so we were like well we need more like like this can't just end like this mm. and the crazy thing about dragon ball is by the time it was airing in a west for a western audience it was actually already done in japan so back in the early days of the internet you could actually get anime subs on vhs tapes so with the subtitles, I actually wanted to ask about that. So were those coming from Japan? Would somebody have like a closed captioning with the English subtitles on it? No, they're all done by fans. Like fans would just Wait, sub them. for and, real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Was, well, it, that, is it, was it like public television where you see the closed captioning and it's just awful? Like everyone. Yeah, there was a lot of bad subtitles. Like that was like half the battle is like you got to wade through the internet. And back then there wasn't like Reddit or anything. Mm. You'd find random message boards. Where he'd be like, oh yeah, this guy is like some pretty good subs. And you would send him your address and have to like send him money. Like literal, like send him a check. And it was like, I hope I get this back. Well, it's crazy to say, I feel like the internet was almost more wholesome back then. Like it's, <laughs> it wasn't, it was still probably a dark gaping hole. But like that sounds way better than like, if I did that, if I found out like people could just make up their own subs, I would be writing my own Dragon Ball. <laughs> You're making up a story. <laughs> These people have no yeah. idea what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah, but that was crazy because like people would also take other people's subtitles because like there's no like copy protection really mm -hmm. you could do. Like people would say like, oh please like this don't distribute this if you're not this person. You yeah. Know? But like you could just copy a VHS tape. Like they had those like double decker VHS tapes. Oh, yeah. You could just copy and record. That would happen all the time. Wow, that's so crazy. Like, 
I, I'm just even trying to think like what a, like an entrepreneurial thing that would have been just like, okay, I can, I know Japanese and I know English. I'm going to translate this by myself and make a coin, like just by sending these tapes to people. Oh man, that's pretty wild. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause well, my brothers would kind of be the ringleader on it. And yeah. it's, it's kind of wild. The Japanese version is actually a lot more violent and bloody mm-hmm. than the Westernized version. So it's kind of like, I remember I had to get the okay from my mom to be like, hey, can I watch these tapes too? And she was like, yeah. well, I guess it's like you guys can all do it. So, <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to ask. If your parents knew that you guys were doing this whole uh, Yeah, thing. that was a huge, like, I remember having a discussion on when we were going to, like, first get these tapes. It was like, I, yeah. she was like, are you, like, can you actually, like, watch this? Like, is this, like, who are these people we're sending money to? <laughs> Uh, like, what are we going to get in return? And to be honest, it's like, we didn't know. Like, what Like, what are you going to get back? And people, like, the tapes would come back in the mail. Oh. I mean, that, that's... I don't know that I trust it. I feel like, especially eBay back in the day, mm-hmm. felt like such, like, a no man's land. I don't even know if you guys, like, bought a lot of stuff on eBay. But I remember trying to buy Dragon Ball games yeah. on there. And, like, I was like, oh, I think I won the bid, only to find that somebody was jumping in, like, at the last second and beating my bid. And I'm like, but I had, like, the highest bid before it ended. And, yeah, and just not being able to ever acquire, like, any of these. And we'll get into the games later, but, man. It's just, so, Tom, man. were you doing these drastic measures to watch <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, or were you just taking them as it comes? <laughs> no, no. I like I to take it as it comes. I mean, I think I had the opposite experience with Joe, where, I mean, similar in that... When the dub ended, like middle of like the Namek saga, like I was like, okay, what now? Because then all of a sudden it started reruns again. I'm like, this is weird. And then they went through the entire run again, and then nothing. And you're like, okay. So you go online and like you know again, the internet was no man's land back in the day. Yeah. It was just like you were out there looking for everything. And I remember just trying to find information, and they're like, oh, well, we're gonna start finally releasing a dub again like they basically had to go through all this i'll get to the the history here shortly but just it it basically turned into having to find out when they were going to release the next set of episodes on a dub going to like suncoast pictures at the mall and picking up like a vhs tape and then my cousin and i would always like split them a little bit right and we get this like series of like vhs's (laughs) and we'd like share them with each other so we could watch like six episodes at a time and then we'd have to wait another month or two before another set would come out. And it was just, it was wild. Like, didn't even have to actually watch the entire series until they finally finished the entire dub on Cartoon Network. That's crazy. Yeah, those Suncoast tapes were like, man, they really like nickel and dimed you. They're 20 bucks sun- for yeah. a tape, yeah. And they'd be like three episodes. It's yeah. Like, dang. Well, like, I grew up without TV. I lived on a farm, and my mom was just very anti-TV. And I remember, like, they would sell simpsons vhs's with like like in three packs oh, wow. and we went to the mall and like we were allowed to go shopping and we tried to like sneak some vhs's down our pants <laughs> trying to leave with the simpsons tapes and i remember my brother got caught and i had one in each cargo pants oh and i got God. i got out <laughs> but like for me like it was other people in my elementary school who were wearing the t-shirts talking about it and I guess we should say this right here. I don't really like Dragon Ball Z that much. I mean, mic drop moment here, but I don't really watch much anime. This was very new for me, and maybe it was part of not having access to it, but I just kind of remember being around the playground and, like, seeing people do the little um, 
power moves or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's dumb, you know? Because I just didn't have access yeah. to it. I definitely remember powering up during recess. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure every boy on like mm-hmm. on the playground was powering up. 100%. Oh, yeah. So, Fred, when you said that you really didn't have access to it, you mean like you didn't have like Cartoon Network or anything growing didn't up? Didn't have any cable. Like, oh, wow. my... I think that's why I'm such a like media hound now is because <laughs> like when I grew up I had a chest of VHSs and they yeah. were like all the Disney movies and like a handful of like non-Disney movies mm-hmm. and that was just on constant rotate like the Star Wars trilogy yeah. that and Disney movies were just like throughout the week on rotation cuz I don't even know if we could have gotten cable if we wanted to but that internet I didn't have until I was like 13 14 wow yeah, I think wild. I got internet when I was 15 so you your your exposure is definitely a little more limited, but obviously picking up something a little more recently. Yeah, and I gotta say, like for this, I watched like I want to jump just a little ahead and say that I watched some Dragon Ball and I watched some Dragon Ball GT, and I watched some YouTube. <laughs> 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 uh, but I I don't have the feelings I had against it. Now I watched it, and especially, and we'll get into it more. That original Dragon Ball was really scratching some itches for yeah. my kind of like weird sensibility uh-huh. that I was very surprised by. Yeah, it's funny you actually bring that up because um, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about Cowboy Bebop and like how they have that live action series coming out. And I was even thinking like, I remember not really being patient enough for Cowboy Bebop when I tried watching it. And like the first six episodes, I think I tried and I'm just like, I just don't know if I like this. And now that I have been watching and revisiting some anime, I'm like, oh, you know what? I think maybe I should give this another go because I'm finding stuff like Death Note. Like I came yeah. back to that and I was like, oh, this was a really good series. Like, like maybe this is worth trying again before the live action comes out. I, I think John Cho's hair looks <laughs> Yeah, that. it looks pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Although I do like the, the Corgi, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's kind of the crazy thing about a series like Death Note or Cowboy Bebop compared to Dragon Ball. Like, Dragon Ball is this, like, massive, massive series of, like, hundreds of episodes, but Cowboy Bebop and shows like that are, I think, way more consumable, even as someone who really loves Dragon Ball. Yeah. You know, Fred, when you're asking, like, for recommendations, like, you can't really just, like, pop into an episode. No. You can't pop into an arc. You kind of have to start from the ground, but it's hard to invest in. and series that's 291 episodes and if people wanted to kind of have a good entry point into i'm gonna cap it at just japanese animation in general really i watched um spirited away uh, miyazaki and i feel if you like if you grew up on disney animation and even though this is more i compare more to like don bluth animation like Mm -hmm. secret of nim kind of crazier stuff but watching that it kind of was my like safety point where i felt this feels familiar animation wise but it's also showing me something i haven't seen before but it also just showed me the effect in general on japanese animation even on our animation when you watch like i think i'd noticed a show oh rugrats you watch rugrats that shit's very almost anime in the way they do like characterizations and expressions Mm. and just even head movements i was watching this and like I would say Spirit Away, when it gets crazy, reminds me of when Rugrats would get crazy. You know, like, yeah. just would get really bonkers. So I was so, just thinking about that, too. Right. We need to do, like, a 90s Nicktoons. Like, oh. Even if that's not a franchise, like, that is, like, a thing. Because, like, oh, I would yeah. get to watch cable at my grandmother's house, of course. You know, that's <laughs> where the junk food and the cable was. 
but I was watching not Dragon Ball. I was watching like Scooby Doo, Courage the Cowardly Dog, yeah. and SpongeBob. Like. <laughs> so I was. I, that's all I had time for was like the immediate stuff that all the kids were watching. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people probably haven't been exposed to either. It's just like they had different things growing up. I know people watch Nickelodeon or they watch Disney Channel or they watched other things like ABC, like kids or that was that Saturday morning. And, you know, I think not everybody had the same kind of access to all these different things. Um, so I know something that I wanted to add for a segment here each week, too, is just talking about the history of the franchise. So not as familiar. And, uh, you know, feel free to guys jump in and <laughs> add any of your, your own research that you found. But just to share a little bit about what Dragon Ball is about. I mean, it was written by Akira Toriyama. Uh, it tells the story of this young monkey-tailed boy named Goku. Uh, Goku meets a teenage girl named Bulma, and together they go on this adventure to find these seven mystical Dragon Balls, which have the ability to summon a powerful dragon that can grant whoever summoned them their greatest wish. Um, the story then follows Goku in his life and adventures as a child, all the way up to being a grandfather, wherein he fights you know, a lot of battles for the fate of the world and eventually beyond, uh, in time becoming the strongest martial artist in the universe. And the, the biggest thing I think the, the draw even about Dragon Ball story is that along the way he gains all these allies, but several moon became were antagonists or rivals at the very beginning and just were kind of persuaded through Goku's actions and his like pure heart and drive to, to join his side and his cause. Like, I think that's probably one of the best parts of it. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the ensemble is what really makes the show. I know Goku is the main character, but when you think about all the great characters around him, Especially in the course of Dragon Ball, because uh, that's kind of what I was surprised by. Because even for me, mm-hmm. I got into it starting with Z, mm-hmm. so I didn't really have that history of, oh, Goku has like a uh, tail. Yeah, he has yeah. a tail. <laughs> yeah, that was the part you were leaving out. Of this whole history that was just the part that surprised me that no one talks about is he, he he's a monkey boy. Yeah, he's got a tail. Yeah. Well, no, and it's true. And actually, uh, what I found is that it's, it's loosely inspired, uh, Kira Toriyama said, by the Chinese novel. It's a classic called Journey to the West. And it tells the tale of this Buddhist monk named Shan Zhang, who travels west to India with four of his disciples, including this uh, character called the Monkey King, or also called Sun Wukong, which in Japanese was translated to Sun Goku. And they're in search of like, these holy scriptures, and Sun Goku learns all about like Taoism and like gaining these skills and these powers along the way, kind of like trying to find the secret of immortality. And so it's like, I didn't realize that that was ever a guide. I just figured he came up with this shit out of nowhere. And uh, Yeah, I remember like trying to like read up on like the original Chinese story yeah. to like thinking it would like give me insight into what was happening. But I'm like, all right, it actually kind of <laughs> ends up not really big like that. No. But, but it is kind of weird, like Goku with the monkey thing, because... Like, the world of Dragon Ball, there's all these, like, weird creatures and, like, mm-hmm. dog people. And, like, even, like, literally, the, like, the king of Earth, his name is King Furry. He's, like, this dog man that is, like, just the president. Wait, his name was King Furry? I think I completely missed that. Yeah, it's King Furry, and it's, like, it's kind of weird because he knows, like, Goku is going around saving the Earth. Uh-huh. And, like, during the Cell games when Hercule tries to take credit king furry's like dude that was goku man okay like that- wait. i gotta stop you right there real quick is he hercule or is he mr satan because i think we gotta we gotta stop well yeah he's mr satan, he's mr. satan <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is this the blue guy 
No, so this is a character later on. There's a guy who kind of like jumps in and he steals all the thunder of Goku and his friends as they're fighting. And he's basically like a wrestler, would you even say? Yeah, I guess he's yeah, kind of like Macho Man, kind of like Randy yeah. Savage <laughs> parody, but he like is weak. What like he's nothing compared to like any of the actual characters in the show. Yeah. But you mentioned like dogs and dinosaurs. Like it's very random the like fantastical elements, and I kind of like that. But at first, I was like, I don't have that touch. To, I'm not. I don't feel safe, you know, because this mm-hmm. is crazy. There's like a giant bear sheriff in the like first few episodes <laughs> at one point. Right. Like all these things. Yeah, and they're just like yeah, getting grabbed by pterodactyls, and it's yeah. Yeah, it's real weird. And I think Toriyama, he just like likes animals. Mm-hmm. He's just like I like animals, so like I'm gonna put like random animals in all my shows well i feel like animators probably have a lot more fun than just like drawing like people you know like why don't we make this you know accountant a giraffe or something you know like they just make it interesting to look at yeah right and just just and it, it's so interesting how you know they bounce back and forth between like some of the animals are anthropomorphic and some of them are not and it's the same animal like yeah. <laughs> you have like a feral bear and then a bear that like you just said is like the sheriff <laughs> of the police <laughs> like are they related are they do they hang in the same circles probably not uh so the series was produced by toy animation um and they produced both those series in Japan, which then spawned four Dragon Ball movies, 13 Dragon Ball Z movies, maybe 17. And I'm, I'm kind of curious on your take on this, Joe, because there's obviously two made-for-TV specials, like History of Trunks. Trunks, yeah, Bardock, Father of Goku. And then, I guess, Battle of Gods and Resurrection F are technically Dragon Ball Z movies, but they're also the plot of Super. I don't yeah, know. it's kind of weird because with Dragon Ball, there's like so much out there. Mm-hmm. that those aren't really canon, but their material is kind of repurposed for super arcs. Yeah. So you can kind of consider them as part of the overall Dragon Ball universe, but they wouldn't be considered like the canon way that the story... Is it like watching Rebels or something like that? That's like not technically... Or is that canon? I thought that was technically not like those Star Wars shows. I, I thought was Rebels thinking. was actually like that stuff really I think happened it is canon. in the... Oh, it is canon. Yeah. I mean, we can get into the whole Star Wars canon at some point down the mm-hmm. line. But um, Yeah, I was just trying to see if there was like an equivalent that treats canon like in, you know, like franchises in America that are more familiar. Um, Did you guys ever watch like the... Oh, I can't think of who the guy was who made it, but... um. It was Attack of the Clones, like the original animated series. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I his don't know run, if I'm pronouncing that right. Either. But yes, his run. I don't know if that's canon, but that was kind of inspiring. What ended up being the canon, like animated, like computer animated series, and I think it kind of falls a little like that because it's like it inspires something else, but it's not officially like in the timeline yeah that's a good way of putting it because a lot of those movies actually have really popular characters like broly started out as a character in one of those movies that Mm -hmm. toriyama wasn't involved in but then he's like whoa like my fans love this character i'm gonna actually make them a part of the canon like a broly movie um and it just inspires the actual main canon storyline 
even though Toriyama himself wasn't involved at first. Yeah, I want to put like a little pin in the Dragon Ball Broly movie, the super one, because I th- there's a there's something I wanted to say when it comes to like where the franchise like really peaked. Yeah, and because that performed extremely well at the box office, like we're talking like big numbers. Um, and I'm like, it, it really that kind of makes you wonder, like, is Dragon Ball even like done going at this point? Like it. I know we're not really talking about Super today because that would just be a whole other beast. Um, but this was a Dragon Ball movie that was in American cinemas. Like, it was released yeah. as... Yeah, yeah. It was... I mean, yeah, Joe and I actually went and saw it together. What? It was awesome. Yeah, a few years ago. And it it slaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about... Like, I think there's just so many fans, you know, like us, Tom, that grew up with it as mm. kids and you know now we're kind of like fiending for for more of it mm-hmm. i mean they have we have super now but there's just a lot of time that passed like there's not really any good dragon ball content out there you know like yeah. there's games and stuff uh 2015 is around like the last of the tv because we were just looking around on hulu earlier and that's what i saw like 2015 yeah that's well actually that kind of that's actually where super starts and then super ends in 2018 oh wow yeah but still three years yeah it's it's i mean it's still recent right um i mean if we're going back to z though that actually like i was surprised to learn that that didn't debut in america until 1996 and so the the history there is kind of interesting i don't know if you guys got to read up on any of this but funimation was actually collaborating with saban entertainment obviously the power rangers people uh with like so they kind of sub-licensed them to do home video distribution with pioneer entertainment then and then they contracted this studio called ocean studios to dub the anime in english and Funimation was kind of overseeing this whole process. So that's when everything went to hell in 98 when they're just like, we're done. Because I guess Saban was the ones who were making the call of like, we don't want this to be overly violent. We don't want this to be this. Like, you know, we want to redo the music. We want to redo everything for this dub. And it just kind of like, I don't know. It's definitely a totally different feel when you pick up the original part of the dub to the second part of the dub because, like, after the first 67 episodes, it was they basically cut ties. Funimation took over the whole operation, redid everything with a whole new voice cast. And so that lasted for another four years in 1999. So that's why we were all waiting forever for it. And I was actually surprised it didn't end until like 2003. Like, yeah, there was it was gone for a long time. Yeah. That's why I had to go to the message boards to get those VHS tapes. <laughs> like, we couldn't wait that long. And I just think it's crazy that you bring up Saban, who did the Power Rangers, that they're, like, outsourcing their Power Rangers episodes to Japan mm. to get their martial arts scenes filmed. Yeah. So they're sending that stuff over to get filmed, and then we're taking in their animation and redubbing it and repackaging it yeah and it's just kind of weird this like symbiotic relationship between the two but it seems like saban wasn't lining up with what drag the dragon ball z people really wanted yeah and yeah it, not that those episodes couldn't use some editing <laughs> i was just very surprised how overtly sexual and like just all the stuff with what's the female characters name? Bulma. oh god yeah there was yeah. a lot that I was not ready for. 
um, getting a glean at the peen a couple yeah. times. <laughs> like, Goku's, which is like his penis is just like a, it's like a half of a circle and then like <laughs> half of another big circle. <laughs> and it like it doesn't change because I, I caught a glean in that peen when we were watching Dragon Ball GT as well. And it's like it looked a little newer. But the peen was still like the peen this, was like, still just the they updated yeah. the peen. That's his art style. Oh my god, that's that is the thing about like I was mentioning before, recommending Dragon Ball. Yeah, there is a lot of toilet humor in those early episodes. There is really that whole series, just because I think Toriyama was like that's kind of his style of humor. I mean, he's yeah. just kind of like. Over sexualizing things in really weird areas. I will say there was like hypersexualization, like creepiness in it, but there was also kind of like, in, at times, I can't think of specific examples where they did handle like body stuff and sexuality better than we do in our stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like we're not much better. We're just different. Like, we're more of a weird, repressed thing where people yeah. watch our animation and we're like, we, we end up weird from that. Like, this is like. They've got the peen right there. Yeah. We know all about it. Like, <laughs> they're, they're alluding to sex in the first episode, and this is like a cartoon. Like, that wasn't on SpongeBob. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> SpongeBob. I can't imagine SpongeBob ever having anything remotely close to the Dragon Ball humor, especially the first couple episodes. Like, that is, there is some shocking, there's a lot of little boy penis. Like, just. Yeah. Well, the big difference would be the penis would be square. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would just be like half of a square and then like another half of a square. <laughs> like, hey, Patrick, look. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's something that really just, I think you touched on something big there, Fred, with the culture, because. Um, you know, our next segment really talks about the peaks of the franchise. And, you know, I think they really have to come from it here from two different standpoints. You know, one is from the cultural standpoint of, like, where this really, like, hit its peak, you know, both in Japan and in the U.S. I think it's worthy talking about. But also just, you know, talking about the series itself. Like, where did we feel like the storylines kind of did that? Um, and I think, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit before, Fred, by saying, you know, like, this is you know, something that you didn't really have access to, but you knew about it in grade school. Like, I think, you know, where can we argue that, like, this is where it really hit its ultimate, like, culmination. Like, everybody was talking about it. Everybody was outside at recess, you know, doing the Kamehameha waves and stuff. You know, like... <sighs> I mean, even that first Cartoon Network run, I mean, yeah. I feel like a lot of kids are watching that, but I think when the show came back... Um, especially during the Namek saga, which is probably the high point of the series. I mean, mm -hmm. kids are all over that. Everyone is powering up. I know I was. <laughs> well, I, and I don't know because, you know, I was younger then, but to me, Dragon Ball Z at that time, when it was super big, was very hand-in-hand -hand with Pokemon. It was, that mm. was kind of, that's where I was still in. Pokemon, like, I was like, I like this. And then, like, the Dragon Ball Z was a step further. I wasn't, at that time, wasn't willing to make. But that kind of was, like, the backdoor entrance to Japanese animation because I remember getting up before school to watch Pokemon. Yeah. I think you touched on something really interesting right there, too. Because there was kind of a transition in the 90s where I felt like it went from, like, all out of, like, live-action kind of, like, karate martial arts-based shows or movies 
to all of a sudden like everyone wanted that animation style and everybody wanted like those like fighting like animation things and i think cartoon network is a major reason for that because you know early on it was power rangers it was teenage mutant ninja turtles it was you know karate kid back in the 80s you know even like blood sport for like adults you know everybody was really into it like i felt like it was so trendy even in grade school to know taekwondo and then all of a sudden it was like you know you're getting into you know your older grades and people are talking about like japanimation they're just like oh yeah you heard of sailor moon you heard of uh the gundam wing and i'm like what <laughs> what is all this stuff what, tenchi muyo tenchi yeah all those muyo. random series I, on cartoon network we're doing tenchi muyo at some point. <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk about tenchi because that show is so weird yeah but I mean, yeah, I think when we're talking about it debuting in 1996, like that, that really was synonymous, like same time with Pokemon. That probably has to be where it was, you know, from, from a cultural standpoint. It seems to really enter the ether. Um, you know, but I think from the series itself, you touched on it too, Gojo, talking about the Namek saga. I think that really kind of was the run right there, right at the, where it, where it hit its culmination, like where it hit its like high point is where it broke off. It's yeah. like, there's like this whole time where they're on Namek, they're fighting the Ginyu force and, or I'm sorry, the Ginyu special corpse. If you <laughs> the uh, it's just crazy. Cause today when it comes to like franchises and new content, we get like Ted talks from like, <laughs> The CEOs yeah. and like a breakdown of exactly what's gonna happen. Mm. Like someone comes out and is like, "Oh, we're doing this movie and this is gonna happen." And like back then, like they had the internet, but still, like because you're talking about an import from another country, yeah. On top, just having that delay and not having that like universality that we have today just makes it more exciting. I kind of think. Like, oh, that's yeah. that's what was actually cool because like I would be like scouring the internet trying to figure out what was going to happen and like obviously the internet was the internet back then and like you don't know if people are like actually telling the truth yeah about like the crazy transform transformations that are going to happen all the characters that show up like, right you really had no idea it was kind of the wild west it was and i remember so i know with something that i know fred and i even talked about well before we did this episode was about the toys i had to second think it because i was like oh no it's not a big deal but then i was like I remember having all the toys. Like I remember having a bunch of action figures and my cousin and I would always like try and collect them. And then the funny thing was, so when it did cut off, we had all these characters, these figures that weren't in the series yet. So we had to speculate who the hell these guys were. And then we would try and go to the internet and figure it out. Cause like Trunks was like a big one. Yeah. And you know, Trunks is, uh, you know, for people who are familiar is like Vegeta's son from the future. And so you're seeing this, which just sounds fucking bonkers because we didn't even get to that. Now, I just had to, is this one of those characters where the father and son look exactly the same, but just smaller, these very, because that's no. what no. was confusing me when I'd watch the recaps. They'd be like, this is Goku, son's Gohan. It'd be like just a smaller version. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up too, because then it's like, Gohan does look like Goku, but then Goku has a second son who looks exactly like Goku. Goten, yeah, he's a complete clone of Goku. Yeah. <laughs> But then Goten has a buddy who is Vegeta's son who looks nothing like Vegeta. <laughs> and it's like, but I just remember like having this character and then being like, so who is this guy? Like, what do we think? What, what, what do we know? He has a capsule core like jacket on. It's like, okay, what could this be about? I'll need to go on the internet. It's like, yeah, that's Vegeta and Bulma's son. It's like, 
the fuck? Like, what did <laughs> this happen? Here was I. Yamcha, man. Yeah, oh, ditch. For real. It's like, that is like the first question. You're like, Yamcha was the like, guy. What happened to Yamcha? Yeah. What ha I'm just trying to put myself in your yeah. guys' shoe, and the closest thing I could do is like, think about if Harry Potter, like, came <laughs> out like this. Like, if I had to, like, if they had the first three books, and then, like, I was just on the internet, like, <laughs> that would have killed me, I think. I think Vegeta getting together with Bulma is probably the equivalent of, like, Draco Malfoy getting together with Hermione. Like, that's probably the closest. Like, it's crazy, but it also makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, they're hard-headed enough that it totally makes sense. But then it's like, and then they produce this baby. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I just love those, like, lovely Instagram photos. I see of, like, Tom Felton and Emma Watson <laughs> just together, and it's just real nice. I'm like, Fred, are you, it worked are you, out for them. Are you a Draco and Hermione shipper? I, I'm into the idea, but I'm not like I'm not like out there like advocating it. But I'm like definitely for it. I think it makes more sense in a way. It kind of makes sense. But. I mean, we can shelve a lot of these conversations for later. But I think there's a lot of Hermione relationships that made more sense than Ron. Uh, yeah, Ron right, sucks. Well, I, <laughs> I definitely will bring that up in our Harry Potter episode. Yeah, our Harry Potter episode's just gonna be called like the tea room and it's just gonna be gossip about like <laughs> spill the tea um oh man it's so true though i think it's uh it's interesting though that we can make these parallels even though between these two series too because it really was kind of like that like i think even just growing up you, you had these things right it was like oh i'm really into like tmnt as a kid you know, it's like, oh, the Power Rangers comes in or something like that. And it's like, oh, and then you got Dragon Ball Z. And then I'm like, oh, it's Pokemon. And then, boom, it's Harry Potter. And then it just keeps succeeding. And now it's like, you know, MCU, everything. It, it's like, and how many of these things draw, like, the same line? It's like, you guys remember, like, the infographics? It would be, like, Harry Potter has the same storyline as, like, Lord of the Rings. It has the same storyline as, like, like, Legend of Zelda or something yeah. like that. It's just, it's wild that there are these many, like, crossover-type plot points with that. And there was also definitely the video games. Like, at that time, I was kind of curious. You mentioned, like, you'd see characters. Were they dropping games? Like, uh, what was the big PlayStation one I told you guys about? It was, like, a fighting one. Budokai. Budokai. Budokai, yeah. Now, like, I was just curious, like, did that come out and have characters on it you didn't know? Or was that oh, yeah. point? Yeah, there was characters, like forms i didn't know mm. so i thought of that as another way in like you see a character like yeah yeah like final bout i know like on the playstation that was huge because that also had gt characters yeah because when z was coming out in the west gt was starting to air yeah in Japan, so all the games that were coming out you're like who is super saiyan 4 goku i have no idea and we didn't yeah we didn't even get into all the extra curricula that comes out of us we talked a little about the toys but yeah there were GT Final Bout was like my thing. Like I remember loving the music, the characters. What respect? Like who the hell is Vegito? You're like oh, <laughs> <laughs> and Vegito. Then you learn is Goku and Vegeta fused together because they master a fusion technique, and it's like oh my god. There's just all these plot points that you just had no idea about. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this. There were 48 video games, console yeah. video games. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had a whole list up here, but it goes from, like, Dragon Ball, the mystical adventure, about, like, 800 Budokais, 
gets into like Tenkai Chi Budokai and then culminates in fighters. I mean, and Joe, I know you are a big fighting oh, yeah. game fan. Oh yeah. Well, the cool thing about Dragon Ball Fighters is it's kind of like a love letter to fans because the game looks just like the show. Yeah. Like when you're playing the game, it looks like you're controlling like a fight in the show, which none of the other games have ever come close to really actually like mimicking mm-hmm. the Z art style. Like they really nailed it. And it's actually a really good fighting game. It was developed by Arc System Works, which also makes the Guilty Gear games, Blaze Blue. Oh, yeah. They have legit fighting game creds. So it was just really awesome game. Really cool intersection of like good gameplay, but also being like cool fan service for the fans. And would you say would you say that's probably the best one that you've played today? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think if you ask pretty much any fan that's played a lot of the games, they'll point to that one just because it's it's just it's just top notch. Right, which was like twenty eighteen, right? Yeah, it's recent. It's real recent. Do you want your Dragon Ball games to have story or do you just want to get down to the brawl and <laughs> So this kind of gets into like there's all these side stories in Dragon Ball. Because like even Dragon Ball Fighters I really like it. But it's not canon. Um, so, like, the stories sometimes aren't always what I'm in for. I kind of like the cool action, um, like the fights, which are the reason why I really like Z. Um, but with some of the games, too, they're also starting to have their own characters. Like, mm-hmm. Android 21 has become a really popular character. Yeah. So, it's kind of just another example of that cycle of the games influencing the actual series as a whole. It's just so funny too. I think I love that you say Android Twenty One, because I it, it like implies that yeah there were twenty preceding androids to this one, and it's like, and it actually dates all the way back to Dragon Ball, which is crazy. Like I, you never think that like, oh they're here, like here's Android Eight, and you didn't think that would pay off, and like here's there's gonna be twelve more, you know, yeah. plus the game there's thir- or no thirteenth, and it's just like this this crazy canon that continues to extend and extend. And you just find out all these little things through the games and through like, you know, the movies itself too. Like, um, I know we haven't even took out to talk about the movies yet, both live action, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, as well as all the animated ones that go out of their way to like try and explain plot points, like how did Trunks get his sword? And like, it, it's some crazy stuff like that. Before we leave the games, I just want to say the game, they have like, I think it's called like the Xenoverse games, which I'm mm-hmm. guessing aren't necessarily the most popular, but they're the newest thing yeah. they're doing are very similar to like a destiny setup where it's open world you create a character and you kind of do questy things but then there's like also fights do so you... i found that like because you can do a little trial of that on playstation now you play for like the first five missions or something and so that was very interesting it was like now like not only are they using characters people know it's creating your own yeah, you like your avatar own and yeah. playing in that world and is that something that you like or do you just want to inhabit the characters you know i kind of like inhabiting the characters i know just because like for dragon ball like it's all about the ensemble it's about the characters xenoverse like i thought that was pretty cool because i think akira toriyama's art style is very um distinct Mm -hmm. so it's like pretty cool that they actually let you develop characters that kind of fit his art style yeah um but I do like kind of inhabiting the characters, playing as the characters, like using all your favorite attacks and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you, as somebody who is not as into Dragon Ball, do you feel like that'd be more accessible though to you to play a game like that? Well, so that game was a little tough for me because I just wanted to play, do the fighting parts. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to 
get invested into a world I didn't know because like again I didn't have the touchstones yeah and I didn't even because like if you knew Dragon Ball that game's probably great because you'll just be flying around and then someone with a name you know yeah. and I just say a name because I don't know names <laughs> and I think that that's a great integration of people might have knowledge but honestly I'd rather like a Mortal Kombat style yeah. like because that's what Budokai was was pretty yeah. much if I just all about the fights Mortal yeah. Kombat and that was the best way for me to kind of understand like how each character fought and what they could do and like the different, you know, evolutions. I don't know if they call them evolutions. That's Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Like the transformations and stuff like yeah. that. That's actually something with the games too. Cause I think there was so many games that just covered what the series was that they've been trying to explore, like creating their own original stories. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Dragon Ball fighters and also, um, there's actually a game that came out recently called Dragon Ball Kakarot that was an RPG that Toriyama actually did some of the side quests for mm-hmm. that revealed some kind of additional information. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been And curious. actually, so I know we were talking about the Beastmen that are all over the world. Love and, a Beastman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, well, Beastman, that was actually the term from the game, so that was like, what you officially label these people mm. but there's there's a quest where these beastmen are actually trying to turn back to human what? so they're like saying that the beastmen were actually people that used to be human but they took this drug called anamorphaline that turns them into like animal people like orcs yeah so it's like it's a weird it creates this like weird concept of like you think like King Furry was just like taking drugs to like keep his dog form. Yeah. And and like Bulma says it was like a fad that people used to do. So that's why there's like a lot of people that are beastmen and people that are like, I guess, never bought into the fad. That's so weird, too, because I remember there is like a plot point during one of the tournaments in Dragon Ball where it's like this one dude who's like he's a wolf man and he's mad at Roshi because he blows up the moon in order to save Goku from turning into an ape. Um, that's just one pop point guys glossed over is that and looking at a full moon when Goku has his monkey tail any or any Saiyan can turn into a, a giant ape. An ape man. Yes. I saw I saw that in the YouTubes I watched. Yeah. I'm very mad I didn't get to experience that within the show. I wanted to see him go ape shit. There is a <laughs> long like thing about how that's part of like their alien race. Like Goku's an alien that came to Earth. It's very Superman ripoff. Of like he arrives on Earth, he's supposed to like conquer it, but he like loses his memory like as a young age. But they have, they have these powers of like they can turn into an ape by looking at a full moon, and like they also like every time they get close to death, like when they recover, they get more powerful. So it's like the the power of these like Saiyan race people are like endless. And it's just it it was so ex- extreme how they came up with this whole like long plot point of like. Here's why Goku is Goku. Yeah. It's even cool, like, because, like, if you think about in Z, they don't even know that yet. You think, like, Goku just has a tail, and there's not really, Mm -hmm. like, a reason for it yet. Mm -hmm. But then, like, at the beginning of Z, Raditz comes along, who's another Saiyan. Yeah. And he's actually Goku's brother, and everybody is like, what? (laughs) So these are, like, men who are part beast instead of beast men that are more part man. Like, (laughs) it's so bizarre. Um, something I wanted to, to touch on though, too, cause you're talking about Dragon Ball Kakarot right now. And I wanted to, as we're kind of wrapping up here, talking about peaking or where the franchise peaked. So we had Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, 
was released in 2016. Dragon Ball Fighters was released in 2017. Dragon Ball Super was released in 2015, finished its run in 2018, for at least the time being. We don't know if they're going to come back and do more. Then we had Dragon Ball Super Broly, the, the animated movie, came out in 2019. Like, this series is not slowing down. Dragon Ball Kakarot came out last year, 2020. Like, is it peaked? Like, are we, can we confirm, like, even that this is the, like, that mid-90s run was its ultimate form here, even in the U.S.? Yeah, because... Well, Super the manga is still going. Yeah. And I think I don't I think it's still always going to be really popular. Yeah. But and like there's the diehard fans that are still following Super, so I mean there's always going to be more games coming out. I mm. mean Toriyama is still very much interested in like continuing the world. Um so I think like as long as he wants to keep doing Super, his editors are going to let him. Yeah. I mean we I think we're going to have a whole other conversation about super uh something though as we're kind of talking about games and movies and i know this is something that we want to talk about is this like is our kind of our next thing is just talking about coulda woulda shoulda like what are some things we would have rather seen you know out of the series or what are some things we would have wished it would have explored and i know that the dragon ball live action movie I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about what an absolute folly that was no. like this came out in 2009, and it's definitely the worst season of Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> and I've watched all of Shameless. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's inexplicable that you have some, like, just basic dude, like, Justin Chatwin, and he's yeah. a basic white dude. And he's not even, he's like, he's clear. He's yeah. like the whitest yeah. person. <laughs> like, at that time, they were like, give me the whitest person. Like, he was like, he needs to be Goku. Dude. Yeah, I mean, there's a big conversation we can have here about the whitewashing of Japanese and Eastern Asian properties, but especially for something that's as renowned as being as Japanese as Dragon Ball is. Like, it's just crazy to see, like, Emmy Rossum as Bulma. Like, it's like, what, what is happening here? Yeah, that's definitely the most, one of the most egregious examples of whitewashing when they're trying to adapt. Yeah. I, and anime. I was just surprised. I thought even at that point in time, it would have been like, oh, we have Asian actors. They're just not Japanese actors. Or, like, whether that matters. I don't know if that matters within the context of Dragon Ball, the story. Yeah. But, like, I expected, like, because I think Chao Young Fat, I don't think he's Japanese. No, I think no. he's like, Chinese. He's, yeah. he's Roshi, and, and that's, like, the one Asian person yeah. they have, and, and he's <laughs> yeah. not even Japanese. Like, no. So, like, I mean, Snake Eyes just did horribly, not to date this podcast too horribly. <laughs> <laughs> And so that begs the question is, is there a market for like a live action Dragon Ball or are we looking more at like a Netflix animation show or just some sort of deal like Studio Ghibli? Did I say that right? Ghibli? Ghibli, Ghibli. I don't know. It's like Gif or Jif. No one ever expected that they'd be on a streaming platform like HBO Max. Like before those were like hard to get DVDs and yeah. stuff, but now like... I think there's kind of a move towards more integration, and I wonder if there would be like an actual just transition of new episodes or new stories from Japan. Yeah. Or is there some new weird amalgam where they try to, you know, do better than the shitty Dragon Ball movie and put it into even a live action like The Witcher? 
Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot of fantastical elements, but I feel they're very easily green screen fantastical elements. Well, let's look at like, you know, even like something coming out again, not to date this podcast, but coming up here, we have, you know, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming out in the MCU and what like how they have hammered on like we're going to get like all Asian actors for this. We're going to have a lot of Asian representation with Simu Liu and, uh, you know, Aquafina in it. And it's like, that seems to be like there's a market for doing more movies that maybe are like anime inspired that just are including Asian actors. And we were just talking about Cowboy Bebop before, like using John Cho, you know, as like an actual, like the lead. Like you kind of have to go back to the source material, right? Like, I don't yeah, know. you got to respect the material to be able to adapt it. Yes. And not cast Scarlett but, Johansson. Yeah. Goes <laughs> <laughs> to the show. I've... That was the pre, that was pre any Scar Joe. Adaptions, right? <laughs> like that's the show. I just always think. <laughs> no, they're gonna have her and Colin Jost's son play Goku. Oh, <laughs> Colin Jost is Goku. Just oh, Colin Jost. I just don't know. If Justin Chapman's white, Colin Jost is <laughs> also white. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's ridiculous. Joe, what are what are some things that you is a is our as our expert here, or just somebody who's really saturated with the series, you would have loved to have seen differently, or maybe that just, uh, you know, they would have loved to explore more. So I think for me, like we talk about the ensemble, mm-hmm. um, how important the characters other than Goku are. I think as the series progressed, it definitely got away from that. Yeah. Goku kind of became, you know, he, he was Superman, you know, he would come back and save the day time and time again, mm-hmm. where they had, great characters like Gohan that you would slowly start to see his potential throughout the entire series. And that starts like from episode one of Z and you have all this great character development Mm. and it kind of falls by the wayside, especially in the Boo saga when you, after you hit that peak in the cell saga where he actually reaches his potential, Mm. you know, he hits super Saiyan two and saves the day and goku is going to kind of take a step back yeah um and i think that is really like the number one thing that should have been handled differently in z because Uh they do him bad they do him bad in the boo saga a hundred percent and i mean it even goes into super like i I keep saying we're not going to talk about super it's it's almost impossible to ignore because it really does prey on the sins that the end of z started in that it seemed like it was trying to tell one story and then completely went a different way. It would be like, like going back to the Lord of the Rings, like comparison here. It'd be like trying to tell a sequel to Lord of the Rings, where all of a sudden, instead of it being like Sam's gonna be the hero or something like that going forward, you bring Frodo back on a fucking boat. You know, he's got like machine guns and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like we were talking about the other day how everyone wants people like Captain America and. Tony Stark to come back yeah. and just sort of invalidates the whole series. I get the vibe yeah. that like that doesn't matter in Dragon Ball as much. Like people can kind of come back. Yeah. And does that affect the storytelling? Yeah, I mean you got like once the Dragon Balls are upgraded, you can resurrect people as many times as you want. Yeah. And I think that's where really like you lose the stakes of the show. And where like for me, I think being serialized as like a weekly comic, it's like you wanna keep the plot going, but you don't necessarily have an endpoint. Yeah. You know, you kind of keep producing more chapters without really being able to tell a complete story. And that's how I think you fall into those traps of like, okay, like Goku is always going to kind of be 
where we can go to kind of keep the plot moving forward. Yeah. Well, it's like every like bat second Batman movie. It's like Batman conquers his initial arc in the first movie, and then every second movie is like, so he's just fighting crime. Yeah. <laughs> or like in any other superhero movie, they have to make them like Spider Man. Like he's got to lose his powers, of course. Right. Like for some yeah. reason, that old chestnut. But, uh, <laughs> I feel I just see that kind of parallel or just kind of difference between just you know standard like over here our comics versus dragon ball no i mean that's i think it's something that i'm even kind of fearing with mcu a little bit is like they're trying right now to do a lot of it i don't know if you guys are fully caught up on it but they're really trying to do like okay here are the, the next guard of the avengers you know and here's kind of the next people we want to bring in and hand things off to but I fear that, like, they're going to not get the response. But, like, that's not Captain America. That's not Iron Man. And then they're just going to be like, we got to get these guys back. We can fuck with time travel and all this and really, you know, push it to our will. Rather than just, like, trust that you have a story you're telling and stick to the beats where, where it's projecting to go. And it is. It's frustrating because Dragon Ball really kind of went off. It almost felt like he just was like, mm, I don't know that I want to do that anymore. It's like, Goku's my guy. Yeah, it's just, so I, I 100% agree with that. Because um, the, the permanent deaths, too, I think once everybody starts getting resurrected like twice, it's like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. It, it just stops having meaning because you're just like, oh, that person died. Well, I guess they're just going to come back. Like, Krillin gets resurrected three times. Like, that's. That's ridiculous. And you think of his, his death in the Namek saga as like one of the most like emotional moments of the series because mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know if he can come back and you know goku gets pissed and like he goes super saiyan which is like one of the best moments of the series um but when you start having the dragon balls just being able to resurrect people multiple times yeah you fall into this trap of like well there's really no stakes here why do i like what what's there to care about these characters no it's absolutely true um, something else I wanted to touch on too, because I know you mentioned this before, Fred, and it's actually a very interesting comment that you made, was that you said you thought that they handled body image things kind of similar, because I think one of the, the open-ended things that I thought Dragon Ball Z, especially watching it recently, really failed at was female representation. Yeah. And it's something that, again, not to talk about Super, we're not here to talk about Super, I feel like that's the father figure's joke, <laughs> but like, it's something that Super actually did better with, but Z, it just felt like always seemed to cut off the legs every time it had any momentum because there is just no female figures of like strength so i was kind of curious what were you seeing in dragon ball that you thought something different with that? Well, I, well i just thought like the the treatment of like the human body was less shameful than americans that's the point i was making i think the characterization of the female character that I yes. saw was horrible. <laughs> that was not good. Yeah. You know, and I also saw some horny Roshi during uh, Dragon Ball GT. I caught he was trying to buy some chicks tea or something. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely. I yeah, like seeing. I'm, I'm gonna say it again. Getting the glean of that peen. I think that's a lot less harmful than the way we treat nudity in yeah. like our cartoons and like even just our media in general. That's what I meant when I said I thought that was better. Okay. Just body in general. But no, female representation, not so much. Yeah. Okay. She, she's just straight up a sex spot. And she I is. feel weird because she's like, she looks like a small girl. And then I have to see her in a bathtub with like booby cleavage. 
And I'm just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Yeah, <laughs> it's real gross. Like, Bulma, like, flashes Roshi for a Dragon Ball. And it's just, like, yeah. the most awkward situation. Like, it's, it's She real- offers to let Goku grab her ass. Yeah. But he yeah. says he doesn't want to touch her dirty butt, which I just <laughs> think was Because, uh, like, that's the, that's the bit that kind of works is that he just doesn't get it. Yeah. Like, that's fine. But, yeah, like... That just the way she's drawn is so sex potty. <laughs> oh no, it's it's way worse in Dragon Ball, but it doesn't slow down even in Z. It's super. There are still so many moments of just the the females are still just these objects of affection, and it's just a lot of like I think you put it one way, Joe, is like prepubescent humor. Like mm-hmm. it just is too much. Like. Like oh like little boy like, he he look at there's a naked girl ooh they're gonna grab her butt or you know like play with her boobs or something <laughs> or just the way like I was telling you that the way they would repackage this for the United States that Crueler's Revenge VHS yeah. yeah my friend showed that to me when I was little and during him turning super or like evolving or whatever they played Deftones I wa I watched you change <laughs> and they had like all these new metal songs over it that like they got clear for somehow oh my god and i just thought that was crazy (laughs) but uh with like i think we should uh finish up here soon but i do want to ask so if they were to like kind of go at dragon ball z let's just say like they're making some sort of u.s crossover version they want to do like either show or movie would you be interested in, or do you think it would work to kind of go the route of like a force awakens with a female character going through a similar set of things now i don't want those like i mean i like last Jedi, but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> yeah. but i don't want that to go that way i wouldn't but kind of maybe mirroring the original with a new story and then jumping off with new characters and new stories is that something you'd be interested in or do you just want more of your old stuff i think this kind of gets into what we we're talking about with like what we fear is happening with like mcu and how the stakes don't really matter anymore in Dragon Ball. Whereas, like, for me, I feel like super... We're not supposed to talk about super, but... It's inevitable. I, <laughs> I do feel like it's not, like, the best that the franchise has ever been. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is, like, you lose the stakes of what can happen. So, like, you're not as emotionally invested with, like, this current set of characters. Yeah. So, like, for me, I would, I personally would really like some sort of, like retelling of the story or um some way to kind of bring back those stakes so that's like an interesting way of like okay like a soft reboot yeah yeah Yeah. like let's let's get some more representation in there like goku's grandson goes to like a farm house into like a barn and lifts up this thing and there's (laughs) dragon balls it's like the ecto whatever yeah, i was gonna say new- is this the ghostbusters <laughs> afterlife trailer dragon ball afterlife uh, dragon ball grandfather afterlife. was a great goku so uh, it, it's interesting you do bring that up Fred, because i think you did see it a little bit in gt potentially as you started there is that goku has a granddaughter and like there is a lot of like her in that series where she kind of takes the reins i mean i wish toriyama had written that but clearly he wasn't interested in telling that story yeah. i do think it's because they made Goku a kid to kind of make it more reminiscent of yeah. Dragon Ball, which I think is is kind of cool. Because I think it's especially after the end of Z, you kind of I think you have to kind of reset yes everything to kind of find ways 
to challenge Goku because it's like, well, he's too powerful, so they're gonna make him a kid again, so he can't like kick everyone's ass. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it, right? It's like you have to kind of try and get away to get away from Goku a little bit, and yeah, hand the reins off. Where it's like, here you have some female characters you can use, even at the end of Z, where they kind of introduce like, oh yeah, here's like Vegeta has a daughter, Gohan has a daughter, like. And it's like there's there's ways to hand off the reins, and so I think there's definitely potential in the future for that. Um, so yeah, as I said, we're we're running I think long on time here a little bit, so I wanted to get to our last segment here. Um, so each week we want to do a power rankings of some sort, where we're kind of talking about a top three of kind of a grab bag of ideas. Um, and the thing of this week I wanted to talk about was just the top three moments. I think that's something that kind of speaks to the franchise a little bit. Um, so obviously, you know, Fred, Ed, where you, where you can, if you have, uh, anything you would love to share from what you have seen too. Um, but I don't know, Joe, if you even want to just kick us off on maybe just where, what are like three big moments that really make Dragon Ball the memorable series that it is? Well, I think really, um, the first one is Goku going Super Saiyan for the first time. Sure. I mean, that's just like a touchstone moment, you know? When you talk, when we talked about powering up in the playground, that's like what people were thinking about. Yeah. Especially when you know Frieza and Goku are fighting for like three and a half hours, and mm-hmm. it finally happens, and you're like, yes. And I think it's just like the build up, like it actually has you have an emotional investment, and Goku and with his friendship with Krillin, mm-hmm. and then Frieza is just this like brutal villain that is just like killing everybody, like Vegeta, Frieza, or Vegeta and Krillin, um, and it's just like this payoff of like holy shit like goku finally did it like he yeah. ascended the limits um he became that legendary saiyan yeah there's a lot of seed planting too about oh is this a super saiyan is this a super saiyan and then it's like it happens right yeah yeah cuz like frieza himself is like shit in his pants because there's this rumor of this legendary saiyan warrior that he's like exterminating this race to find and yeah. goku is the one right like the, the very last one and yeah. That's, yeah yeah <laughs> um no it's a good one uh, what would you put at number two? It's got to be Gohan going Super Saiyan 2. Yeah. Like, that's just, when you talk about character arcs, his character arc of having this like hidden potential throughout the entire thing, he st- starts out as this kind of timid, scared boy, but he's like this hybrid human insane warrior that kind of is like greater than the sum of his parts. Mm. And like they slowly pepper in things like when he headbutts Raditz, when he goes crazy on Namek, like you see that he has this like power inside of him. Mm-hmm. And then I think it also plays into Tom, what we were talking about where we wanted someone to kind of take those reins from Goku. Yes. And then even Goku himself is kind of like, I can't fight you. So like go has to do it. Yeah. And then his real dad Piccolo was like, well, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> his real dad. That's, oh my God. That's an ongoing joke between my girlfriend and I too. And she's like, the, Piccolo is the true dad of Gohan. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a good one. I have that one on my list too. And then when the Super Saiyan stuff, I have a feeling that's when the animation animators can go really buck wild, right? Oh, hell yeah. It's oh, like yeah. color changing, like zoom ins, which is yeah. really crazy to see with animation. Yeah, yeah, color changing, lightning strikes, and the transformations are like everywhere now. And I feel like Dragon Ball was for sure like when we talked about culture influences, like forms, like multiple yes. different forms, like Dragon Ball really 
popularized that. Well, supersonic, right? Like, I mean, we he is literally a super saiyan, super like, saiyan sonic, headshot, yeah. almost like, yeah. <laughs> um, then number three, yeah, yeah. Then I think it has to be uh, when Trunks kind of appears out of nowhere, and that kind of plays into like you had no idea who this guy was. Goku was like the strongest guy around mm. and then Trunks just kind of appears in this like crazy capsule and like slices up Frieza who was like about to just destroy everybody and I thought that was like really cool in that like you didn't know anything about what was going to happen Yeah. and when we talk about like some of the internet research that we'd have to do it's like you're trying to find this character I've seen him before Yeah. but I didn't know he was going to be that strong and then when you find out he's Vegeta and Bulma's son, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, how did this happen? This <laughs> friend was pointed out. Hermione Malfoy. <laughs> the ultimate, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so good. That's a, that's a good three, Joe. I like that a lot. Um, uh, I'll go next. For, for mine, Gohan Cell, number one, for sure. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. just pull that drama out of there. I think him going Super Saiyan 2. And taking the reins is such a big moment in the series. Um, number two, though, going back to Piccolo, our guy. I, I, Piccolo's sacrifice way back in the, the Saiyan saga when Vegeta and Snappa show up. Like, that's when he, like, jumps in front of, like, this beam that was meant for Gohan, that's going to kill him. And Piccolo basically gives up his life for him. It's, like, it's this huge moment because Piccolo, to that point, it was like the big bat at the end of Dragon Ball. Like that was like his, like he's going to like come for Goku. He's going to like kill his family, his friends, everybody. But like Piccolo came to like love this like kid of his, like the kid of his enemy. Like it's just like this, this crazy moment where you're like, I can't believe that he's, he's not just like trying to give this kid like a, he's training him to like save the world. He's like, no, 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 I've got that growing to love him. Like it's like, whoa. It just was like this like completion of an arc, and then Piccolo even grows. I think the Piccolo and Gohan relationship is such a strong piece of Dragon Ball Z that, uh, unfortunately, like you said, kind of gets sidelined at the end, but it's so good for so long. Um, and then number three on mine, uh, Vegeta's sacrifice at the very end of the series. One of the few things I do like about Boo is the completion of Vegeta's arc a little bit, or at least the, the step where he stops being the selfish, you know, Goku obsessed person and is like I'm gonna do something for somebody who I care about because he's always just never thinking about anybody he's always just there for the next fight and he's always there for bloodlust or whatever it is he's gonna beat Goku and he's just like you know what I'm throwing that aside I'm gonna try and defeat this enemy by giving up my own life and it's just such a it's such a great moment where it's very much like that Piccolo moment that I just talked about where it seems like you're never going to get Vegeta to that point. He finally gets there after like so many sins that he's committed. And he's like, I don't even care if I go to hell. I'm going to do this. Yeah. That's one of the cool parts is like Piccolo's like, dude, you're going to hell. And he's like, well, you know, this is the price I have to pay. And especially like Trunks is there. Yeah. And it's just like that emotional moment where he actually cares about saving the earth. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's just good. I, I love the characters in the story are so lovable and they're so relatable it's great Brad. what do you uh, what were you feeling when you when you were looking even at some of the the history and all that like where are some things that stuck out to you i won't do like a top three but i will say it was really nice for to get into the dragon ball i had a day off and i uh 
Just got myself some cereal. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Sat down and I had myself some cereal and cartoons, and I watched the first three episodes of that Dragon Ball show. And I think just because I'm older now, and I'm not like, because I feel when you make opinions about media you don't like when you're younger, you're just kind of very adamant about it, and it mm. doesn't really have rhyme yeah. or reason. Uh, the best thing about this, and I'm not even taking it as literal scenes, I'm just going to say, like, an overall thing is, like, yeah. I'm very excited to watch the rest of those Miyazaki movies. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, Dragon doing this Dragon Ball episode made that happen. I think I probably would have gotten to them eventually, but yeah. now that's, like, something I'm looking forward to, and I really enjoyed the one I watched. Yeah. So it kind of it opened up the door a little bit more to more media that I kind of just, like, overlooked for the longest time. No, that's good. I mean, I think that's that's kind of what, you know, you hope that it happens. It's not just going to end at Dragon Ball and somebody watches that. It's a, it's a gateway show to other <laughs> things. And I think it really was, like, all this other anime that came afterward. Um. You know, and that, that kind of gets us here, I think, to the end, you know, and just, I think the question I want to ask you guys is, would you recommend Dragon Ball to somebody else, you know, in its state, as it is now, you know, in its entirety, whether that's, you know, including Super and GZ and all that, and I don't know. Joe, what do you think? So, I really love Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... I don't. I got. I got into it at like exactly the right age. Mm. I wanted to be a Saiyan growing up. Tried turning Super Saiyan several times, but the tough part about Dragon Ball, I think, in its current state, is there's a lot of damn episodes. Like there's so many, mm. and it's hard to recommend, especially Dragon Ball, with a lot of the some of the problematic stuff that's in that. Um, and going into Z, you can start with Z, but then you have 291 mm-hmm. episodes. So I would have to have like a pretty big caveat of, yeah, I would recommend it. But then for a lot of people, I don't know if I actually would. Yeah. Like for Fred, as someone who doesn't really know a lot about anime, I can't be like, hey, Fred, like watch these 291 episodes and then like these 100 Definitely Plus not. episodes of Dragon Ball. But I'd definitely be uh, open to like recommendations of like, you know, more maybe more adult and like less uh, formidable titles with so many episodes. <laughs> but I'm definitely, <laughs> you know, I love that spooky shit. You got, a, <laughs> you got, a spooky, you got a spooky show. I love to watch it. Yeah, That's Death what, Note sounds scary. Death, Death Note, Note is, I think, a good entry like anime series to get into. Absolutely. One thing I hope like with super or like whatever new releases of dragon ball come out is they do do those like tighter seasons of like mm-hmm. hey we're gonna do 13 episodes we're gonna do 26 episodes until a self-contained story you know we can keep continuing it but um it's really hard when you have these episodes and like massive series with no end in sight yeah i'm just gonna jump in and say like my opinion about it is this also just seems like the kind of thing if you have the, if you're this personality type I think you're gonna find Dragon Ball Z yourself. Like it's not like yeah. I feel like there's. It's really hard to imagine a situation where someone's like, "Have you ever? Have you heard of Dragon Ball? I think you'd really like it." Yeah. I feel like it's something that people either you have the brothers or like it's just gonna hit right for you. you yeah. Know? Like so, whether I would, I couldn't recommend it to everyone because it's a specific ass taste. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you feel like 
if after watching like a number of like Studio Ghibli movies and maybe even getting into like a couple different anime series that you would want to return to it, even if it's just like starting with Z? Maybe. I would maybe finish Dragon Ball just because like yeah. that hits that. That reminds me of like the TV like I liked or cartoons if I... On the rare occasion I'd got get to watch cartoons, it kind of reminded me of that. I, I, you know, the fighting stuff doesn't get me that excited, but mm-hmm. I like adventure and yeah. like cool characters, and I do find some of the humor funny. Surprise! Like I didn't, th- I think I'd find it all cheesy when I started, but I liked more than I thought. Yeah, no, I think that's that's something that is kind of surprising. There is a little bit for everybody. Yeah, and you know, and trying to even ask myself that question too is tough because I think you would never recommend this as your first series. Yeah. I think even when you know I was talking with a couple of people who are like, "Oh, I really do want to get into anime," and it's like, Z is obviously you know like something that's like part of like this huge zeitgeist, you know, of mm-hmm. like, "Oh, everybody watches Dragon Ball Z," or they've watched mm-hmm. or you know have an idea what it is, but it's like it's not an entry point series. Um, I think there is something about Dragon Ball 2 where you can go on. The tournaments become such a big part of it. I think we didn't even really get to talk about it, but the tournaments are, I mean, just one of the best part of the shows. They're so entertaining. They're so fun. There's, like, there's always this, like, this, like, puzzle even behind it of, like, how do I beat this person? Like, this person has a specific skill or whatever. How do I counter it? And I think that's fun. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I would probably say, like, yeah, if you're really loving anime and you really want to get into something that, it's pretty bingeable if you do really get down to it and you have a ton of time, like a pandemic. Which is why over it. Yeah, you, you'll find that it's going to go quick. Cause well, everything goes up two stars in a pandemic. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's just, it was a right place, right time type thing with that. But definitely other things that you should go, absolutely should first. Um, and I think We've about covered everything here today, guys. Um, you know, I wanted to thank Joe for, first of all, being our special guest here this week. Uh, thank you, Isaac, for being an awesome producer. Everybody, we have a, we have a producer, Isaac, on the show. Uh, he is rock star. providing <laughs> everything. I'm sitting here listening to his gab back and forward. I'm very afraid of what time he's going to tell me this thing went. <laughs> uh, for, tomorrow. Yes, right? <laughs> um, Fred... Obviously, a, more than a pleasure to go on this journey with you as we get into our first chapter here and, you know, learn how to really roll through these things. Maybe a little yeah, it's nice to have, like, our bullshit actually recorded for us. <laughs> it's good bullshit. Yeah, rather than being in the improv lobby, yeah. uh, you know, after we're done with the show. Uh, yeah, looking at our trophy, you know, the dual yeah. championship trophy. <laughs> uh, $500. Yeah, all right. Thanks, everybody, and have a happy day. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for listening to our episode this week. If you like what you heard, please remember to subscribe, and please leave us a review. It really helps in getting our name out there. Uh, Tune in next time. We'll be covering the composer Michael Giacchino and his franchise of all his related works from Pixar on down. Thanks, and we'll see you then.